Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be talking about the literary style of Charles Dickens. Dickens's approach to the novel is influential by various things, including the picturesque novel tradition, melodrama, and the novel of sensibility— According to Aykroyd, other than these, perhaps the most important literary influence on him was derived from the fables of the Arabian Nights. Satire and irony are central to the picturesque novel. Comedy is also an aspect of the British picturesque novel tradition of Lawrence Stern, Henry Fielding, and Tobias Smollett. Fielding's Tom Jones was a major influence on the 19th century novelist, including Dickens, who read it in his youth and named a son, Henry Fielding Dickens, after him. Influenced by Gothic fiction, a literary genre that began with The Castle of Otranto, 1764 by Horace Walpole, Dickens incorporated Gothic imagery, settings, and plot devices in his works. Victorian Gothic moved from castles and abbeys into contemporary urban environments, in particular London, such as Dickens's Oliver Twist and Bleak House. The Jilted Bride Miss Havisham from Great Expectations is one of Dickens's best-known Gothic creations. Living in a ruined mansion, her bridal gown effectively doubles as her funeral shroud. No other writer had such a profound influence on Dickens as William Shakespeare. On Dickens's veneration of Shakespeare, Alfred Harbage wrote, In a Kind of Power, the Shakespeare-Dickens analogy, 1975, that no one is better qualified to recognize literary genius than a literary genius. Regarding Shakespeare as the great master, whose plays were an unspeakable source of delight— Dickens's lifelong affinity with the playwright included seeing theatrical productions of his plays in London and putting on amateur dramatics with friends in his early years. In 1838, Dickens traveled to Stratford-upon-Avon and visited the house in which Shakespeare was born, leaving his autograph in the visitor's book. Dickens would draw on this experience in his next work, Nicholas Nickleby, 1838-39, expressing the strength of feeling experienced by visitors to Shakespeare's birthplace— the character Mrs. Witterly states, I don't know how it is, but after you've seen the place and written your name in the little book, somehow or other you seem to be inspired. It kindles up quite a fire within one. Dickens's writing style is marked by a profuse linguistic creativity. Satire, flourishing in his gift for caricature, is his forte. An early reviewer compared him to Hogarth for his keen practical sense of the ludicrous side of life. Though his acclaimed mastery of varieties of class idiom may in fact mirror the conventions of contemporary popular theater. 
Dickens worked intensively on developing arresting names for his characters that would reverberate with associations for his readers and assist the development of motifs in the storyline, giving what one critic calls an allegorical impetus to the novel's meanings. To cite one of numerous examples, the name Mr. Murdstone in David Copperfield conjures up twin allusions to murder and stony coldness. His literary style is also a mixture of fantasy and realism, his satires of British aristocratic snobbery. He calls one character the noble refrigerator are often popular, comparing orphans to stocks and shares, people to tugboats or dinner party guests to furniture, are just some of Dickens' acclaimed flights of fancy. The author worked closely with his illustrators, supplying them with a summary of the work at the outset and thus ensuring that his characters and settings were exactly how he envisioned them. He briefed the illustrator on plans for each month's installment so that work could begin before he wrote them. Marcus Stone, illustrator of Our Mutual Friend, recalled that the author was always ready to describe down to the minutest detail the personal characteristics and life history of the creations of his fancy. Dickens employs Cockney English in many of his works, denoting working-class Londoners. Cockney grammar appears in terms such as ain't, and consonants in words are frequently omitted as in ear and what. An example of this usage is in Oliver Twist. The artful Dodger uses Cockney slang, which is juxtaposed with Oliver's proper English when the Dodger repeats Oliver saying seven with seven. Characters Dickens' biographer, Claire Tomalin, regards him as the greatest creator of character in English fiction after Shakespeare. Dickensian characters are amongst the most memorable in English literature, especially so because of their typically whimsical names, the likes of Ebenezer Scrooge, Tiny Tim, Jacob Marley, and Bob Cratchit, A Christmas Carol, Oliver Twist, The Artful Dodger, Fagin, and Bill Sykes, Oliver Twist, Pip, Miss Havisham, and Abel Magwitch, Great Expectations, Sidney Carton, Charles Darnay, and Madame Defarge, A Tale of Two Cities, David Copperfield, Uriah Heep, and Mr. McQuabber, David Copperfield, Daniel Quilp and Nell Trent, The Old Curiosity Shop, Samuel Pickwick and Sam Weller, The Pickwick Papers, and Wackford Squeers, Nicholas Nickleby, are so well known as to be part and parcel of popular culture, and in some cases have passed into ordinary language. A Scrooge, for example, is a miser or someone who dislikes Christmas festivity. His characters were often so memorable that they took on a life of their own outside his books. Gamp became a slang expression for an umbrella from the character Mrs. Gamp and Pickwian. Pecksniffian and Gradgrind all entered dictionaries due to Dickens' original portraits of such characters who were respectively, quixotic, hypocritical, and vapidly factual. The character that made Dickens famous, Sam Weller, became known for his Wellerisms, one-liners that turned proverbs on their heads. Many were drawn from real life. Mrs. Nickleby is based on his mother, although she did not recognize herself in the portrait, just as Mr. McWabber is constructed from aspects of his father's rhetorical exuberance. Harold Skimpole in Bleak House is based on James Henry Lee Hunt, his wife's dwarfish chypodrist recognized herself in Miss Moucher and David Copperfield. Perhaps Dickens' impressions on his meeting with Hans Christian Andersen informed the delineation of Uriah Heep, a term synonymous with sycophant. Virginia Woolf maintained that we remodel our psychological geography when we read Dickens, as he produces characters who exist not in detail, 
not accurately or exactly, but abundantly in a cluster of wild yet extraordinarily revealing remarks. T.S. Eliot wrote that Dickens excelled in character in the creation of characters of greater intensity than human beings. One character, vividly drawn throughout his novels, is London itself. Dickens described London as a magical lantern, inspiring the places and people in many of his novels. From the coaching inns on the outskirts of the city to the lower reaches of the Thames, all aspects of the capital, Dickens's London, are described over the course of his body of work. Walking the streets, particularly around London, formed an integral part of his writing life, stoking its creativity. Dickens was known to regularly walk at least a dozen miles per day, and once wrote, if I couldn't walk fast and far, I should just explode and perish. Autobiographical Elements Authors frequently draw their portraits of characters from people they've known in real life. David Copperfield is regarded by many as a veiled autobiography of Dickens. The scenes of interminable court cases and legal arguments in Bleak House reflect Dickens's experiences as a law clerk and court reporter, and in particular his direct experience of the law's procedural delay during 1844, when he sued publishers in chancery for breach of copyright. Dickens's father was sent to prison for debt, and this became a common theme in many of his books, with a detailed depiction of life in the Marshalsea prison in Little Dorrit resulting from Dickens's own experiences of the institution. Lucy Strohill, a childhood sweetheart, may have affected several of Dickens's portraits of girls such as Little Emily and David Copperfield, and Lucy Manette in A Tale of Two Cities. Dickens may have drawn on his childhood experiences, but he was also ashamed of them, and would not reveal that this was where he gathered his realistic accounts of squalor. Very few knew the details of his early life until six years after his death, when John Forster published a biography on which Dickens had collaborated. Though Skimpole brutally sends up Lee Hunt, some critics have detected in his portrait features of Dickens's own character, which he sought to exercise by self-parody. Episodic Writing A pioneer of the serial publication of narrative fiction, Dickens wrote most of his major novels in monthly or weekly installments in journals such as Master Humphrey's Clock and Household Words, later reprinted in book form. These installments made the stories affordable and accessible, with the audience more evenly distributed across income levels than previous. His installment format inspired a narrative that he would explore and develop throughout his career, and the regular cliffhangers made each new episode widely anticipated. When the old curiosity shop was being serialized, American fans waited at the docks in New York Harbor, shouting out to the crew of an incoming British ship, Is Little Nell Dead? Dickens was able to incorporate this episodic writing style, but still end up with a coherent novel at the end. Another important impact of Dickens's episodic writing style resulted from his exposure to the opinions of his readers and friends. His friend Forster had a significant hand in reviewing his drafts, an influence that went beyond matters of punctuation. He toned down melodramatic and sensationalist exaggerations, cut long passages such as the episode of Quilp's Drowning in the Old Curiosity Shop, and made suggestions about plot and character. It was he who suggested that Charlie Bates should be redeemed in Oliver Twist. Dickens had not thought of killing Little Nell, and it was Forster who advised him to entertain this possibility as necessary to his conception of the heroine. At the helm in popularizing cliffhangers in serial publications in Victorian literature, 
Dickens's influence can also be seen in television soap operas and film series, with The Guardian stating that the DNA of Dickens's busy episodic storytelling, delivered in installments and rife with cliffhangers and diversions, is traceable in everything. His serialization of his novels also drew comments from other writers. In Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson's novel The Wrecker, Captain Nares, investigating an abandoned ship, remarked, See, they were writing up the log, said Nares, pointing to the ink bottle. Caught napping as usual. I wonder if there ever was a captain yet that lost a ship with his logbook up to date. He generally has about a month to fill up on a clean break, like Charles Dickens and his serial novels. Social Commentary Dickens's novels were, among other things, works of social commentary. Simon Callow states, from the moment he started to write, he spoke for the people and the people loved him for it. He was a fierce critic of the poverty and social stratification of Victorian society. In a New York address, he expressed his belief that virtue shows quite as well in rags and patches as she does in purple and fine linen. Dickens' second novel, Oliver Twist, 1839, shocked readers with its images of poverty and crime. It challenged middle-class polemics about criminals, making impossible any pretense to ignorance about what poverty entailed. At a time when Britain was the major economic and political power of the world, Dickens highlighted the life of the forgotten poor and disadvantaged within society. Through his journalism, he campaigned on specific issues, such as sanitation and the workhouse. But his fiction probably demonstrated its greatest prowess in changing public opinion in regard to class inequalities. He often depicted the exploitation and oppression of the poor and condemned the public officials and institutions that not only allowed such abuses to exist, but flourished as a result. His most strident indictment of this condition is in Hard Times, 1854, Dickens's only novel-length treatment of the industrial working class. In this work, he uses vitriol and satire to illustrate how this marginalized social stratum was termed hands by the factory owners. That is, not really people, but rather only appendages of the machines they operated. His writings inspired others, in particular journalists and political figures, to address such problems of class oppression. For example, the prison scenes in the Pickwick Papers are claimed to have been influential in having the fleet prison shut down. Karl Marx asserted that Dickens issued to the world more political and social truths than have been uttered by all the professional politicians, publicists, and moralists put together. George Bernard Shaw even remarked that Great Expectations was more seditious than Marx's Das Capital. The exceptional popularity of Dickens's novels, even those with socially oppositional themes, Bleak House, 1853, Little Dorrit, 1857, Our Mutual Friend, 1865, not only underscored his ability to create compelling storylines and unforgettable characters— but also ensured that the Victorian public confronted issues of social justice that had commonly been ignored. It has been argued that his technique of flooding its narratives with an unruly superfluity of material, that in the gradual denouement yields up an unsuspected order, influenced the organization of Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species. Literary Techniques Dickens is often described as using idealized characters in highly sentimental scenes to contrast with his caricatures and the ugly social truths he reveals. 
The story of Nell Trent in the Old Curiosity Shop, 1841, was received as extraordinarily moving by contemporary readers, but viewed as ludicrously sentimental by Oscar Wilde. One must have a heart of stone to read the death of little Nell, he said in a famous remark, without dissolving into tears of laughter. G.K. Chesterton stated, It is not the death of little Nell, but the life of little Nell that I object to arguing that the maudlin effect of his description of her life owed much to the gregarious nature of Dickens's grief, his despotic use of people's feelings to move them to tears in works like this. The question as to whether Dickens belongs to the tradition of the sentimental novel is debatable. Valerie Purton, in her book Dickens and the Sentimental Tradition, sees him continuing aspects of this tradition and argues that his sentimental scenes and characters— are as crucial to the overall power of the novels as his darker or comic figures and scenes, and that Dombey and Sons is Dickens's greatest triumph in the sentimentalist tradition. The Encyclopedia Britannica Online comments that despite patches of emotional excess, such as the reported death of Tiny Tim in A Christmas Carol, 1843, Dickens cannot really be termed a sentimental novelist, in Oliver Twist, Dickens provides readers with an idealized portrait of a boy so inherently and unrealistically good that his values are never subverted by either brutal orphanages or coerced involvement in a gang of young pickpockets, while later novels also center on idealized characters, Esther Summerson in Bleak House and Amy Dorrit in Little Dorrit. This idealism serves only to highlight Dickens' goal of poignant social commentary. Dickens's fiction, reflecting what he believed to be true of his own life, makes frequent use of coincidence, either for comic effect or to emphasize the idea of providence. For example, Oliver Twist turns out to be the lost nephew of the upper-class family that rescues him from the dangers of the pickpocket group. Such coincidences are a staple of 18th-century picturesque novels, such as Henry Fielding's Tom Jones, which Dickens enjoyed reading as a youth. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today. While we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors.